jumped into Ephesians chapter 4. So many of you guys that don't know, we're doing a series right now um, out of the book of Ephesians. We're going chapter by chapter. That's a novel idea. That's a strange way to do the Bible right there, you know, is that a chapter at a time. And, um, and so anyway, um, we're entering into chapter 4. And for many of us, that's a much more comfortable place to be in the Bible. And why I say that is because now we're into those things where Paul is going, well, do this and don't do that, and do this and don't do that, and don't. And, and man, this is where you can get some people fired up, and you're like, yes, I'm going to do this, and I'm changing, and now all of a sudden, you know, none of this, all this other crazy stuff that we've been talking about, now we're talking about doing something. Right. Uh, except the problem is, is Jesus never said, hey, just go and do something. See, the first three chapters are about getting our hearts to where they need to be because you want to know what? You all have felt this the same as I've felt this, where Christianity can become a chore just like anything else. Right. And that chore doesn't save us. I mean, that's, that, that may be the truth that all of us are scared to look at um, is the idea that just because we claim Christianity, just because we're baptized into Christ Jesus, just because we come to church and are active in the church, that's not what saves us right there is just going, okay, well, hey, I, I did all that stuff. Now let me do the chore of Christianity. Yeah. He's going, no, no, no. Guys, there's, there's something about following Jesus that he teaches us that we're supposed to be so filled with his grandeur and majesty and magnificence and so filled with all that he's done for us that we get to a place that Jesus called being poor in spirit, that we get to a place where we go, wow, we don't, who am I that God has called me to do this and to be this way? What did we do to be washed of our sins? And what did, how did we deserve that and to have this humble, gentle attitude of Christ? And, and, and he says, guys, this is, there's salvation, there's being baptized into Christ, and then there's living in Christ. Those two cannot be separated, okay? There isn't a, a, a ceremony that we just got, I've, I've done the ceremony, now all, now it's just the chore of doing Christianity. But here's the truth of the matter is, is most of us in here, me included, we, we want to do like, let me go and do something, and let me, because that makes us feel what? When we're doing something, we feel what way? Worthy. Useful. What else? Worthy. Worthy. What else? Accomplished. Accomplished. In control. Spiritual. Man, when I'm doing something, and we all understand that, have you ever thought to yourself, man, I have had a bad week. I've done the wrong things this week. But then when I have a, I'm going to have a great quiet time. Because then when I do that, now I'm all better. Right? And it's this idea of when I'm doing, if, but if I can go, have you ever even thought that, okay, today I'm going to have such a good day, it'll cancel out the bad stuff I did earlier. I, I've, I have. I, I'm almost positive almost everyone in here has done that at some point where you're like, okay, I'm going to have such a good week, I'm going to be like, okay, I made up for it. And we have to understand at that point that it's not Christianity any longer. It's a humanistic club yeah. 
of philanthropy, where we're just trying to be good people, all right? And the message of Ephesians 1 through 3 is not that. Amen. All right? And it's a message where Jesus is telling us that, guys, I'm building the church, okay? I'm building the church. I've got these plans, and isn't it interesting that God builds the church the way we would not build the church? Yeah. In fact, he even said at the time, he says it's a mystery. In fact, it's so out of the realm of what's normal, it's a mystery. That, and at that point, he was saying, because the Gentiles and the Jews will come together, that God says, I'm building this building, and it's a brick at a time. And I'm going to take, the Jews are thinking, there's no way those dirty, stinking Gentiles can get in here. Like, there's no way God can love them. There's no way, God can, there's no way we can love them. There's no, the, the church will never be built that way. All right. And so our ideas, don't they get in the way of really building the church? You know, I think we do one of two things different or, or wrong. I think when it comes to this is is last week, Brent preached out of the, the first half of Ephesians four. And and Paul writes about the cunning schemes of men. There's no place we scheme more than in church building. Wow. <laughs> Have you thought about that? And you go, no, no, he's talking about that other church down the street. No, I'm not. <laughs> We scheme when it comes to this, and we count numbers, and we try to figure out through Excel spreadsheets, like, how can we build the church? And it's hilarious. Paul has gone, uh, but God's doing that. Amen. Here's what you guys can do. This is what we learned in Ephesians 1 through 3. Put the spreadsheet away. <laughs> you... Get your heart wrapped around who God is and how amazing and the fact that he came and looked at us in all of our sin and said, you're the one I want to adopt. All right. That's chapter one right there. You're who I want. And we're going, hold on. And nobody else wants us. No, no, no. God is going, but I want you. All right. And I'm going to bring you from death to life in chapter two. That's what he says is this is what I'm going to do for you. And then we get into chapter 3, and, the, and a couple weeks ago I shared, let's meditate every day for 30 minutes on that last section of Ephesians 3. And I wonder how many of us did that. Because it talks about the in knowing the love that surpasses knowledge. Like, think about that for a second. Like, Paul is saying... I'm praying that you will not go and scheme about church building, not go and try to figure out what the next thing is, not figure out all the social issues of the day. I pray that you will know the love of God that surpasses all knowledge. Isn't that crazy? Right there, if we stayed there and just let that kind of sink in, I, I know this for, for a fact because this is a personal experience. I change when I meditate on that. Amen. All right? And, and you may be thinking, you're like, well, I don't have time to do that, and that doesn't really help, and that's not really. That's why we said do it every day Amen. because I guarantee you that you will go, wow, how did that happen? How did I change? I didn't do anything. How did I change my thinking? Now all of a sudden... Wow, I love people. 
And all of a sudden, man, I'm, I see people differently. And now all of a sudden, wow, I'm like, I'm a total, the way I see things is totally different. God is building and he's saying, okay, I'm going to do it in a different way than we think he should or, 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 or is. All right. He said, don't scheme about church building. Be who you need to be. He does this cool thing in Ephesians. He goes back and forth between talking about the corporate church, but then individually, okay? And sometimes we can get caught up in that, and you start worrying about like, oh gosh, you know what? Um, we, how's the corporate church doing? And we have to worry about the corporate church. We've got to worry about that. And Paul is going, no, 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 no. The corporate church is going to grow, but let me come back to you and me and you. We've got to grow and change because God's building us individually into this church, okay? And so there's no scheming. Do you believe that right now? That God is building, and I guarantee you he's building in a way. If he told us his whole plan, we would go, that's a dumb idea. (laughs) We think we've got it down. I mean, I'm not kidding you. It's like, no, 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 we know, and this is how, and this is, and I'm going, no, 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 I don't think so. I think our job is to be poor in spirit. I think our job is to be humble and gentle. I think our job is to get into who God is and who's doing all the work inside of us and get on board with that. And you want to know what God is like? I got my church. I'm building it on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets and Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. God is essentially saying, guys, I got this. All right. And it's going to be more beautiful than anyone could possibly imagine it being. All right. And so it's bringing us up and it's important for us to keep that in mind as we go into chapter four. Um, Because chapter four is practical. It is there are the do's and the don'ts and all of those things. But let's keep one thing in mind that Paul will continually remind us. Me and you aren't the main characters of this story. Wow. It's not about us. Amen. And, and you may go, well, what's the fun of Christianity then? Like, what do you mean it's not about me? Doesn't God love me? And doesn't God? Well, yes. But understand, it's not, this is about God. God is the central person. God is all that matters. God is all powerful. His power is incomparable. And he's saying, guys, come with me. That's the part that should, it's meant to soften us. All right. Ephesians 1 through 3 is to get our hearts in a place to where we don't go off into chapters 4, 5, and 6 into this humanistic rant of just doing things without thinking. All right. But he says something. It's really interesting here because Paul, uh, th- this is a chapter that maybe some of your guys is like favorite or most, most, one of your most memorable chapters. There's a lot of like those memory verses in chapter four that, that stand out. Right. And, and we've got to keep in mind is we're reading the Bible book by book and chapter by chapter because there's a thought process Paul is going through. And even as he transitions into chapter 4, you know what he's, he, he's telling us? He's going, okay, guys, it's time. Uh, to. I'm going to get into your life right now, but I'm, I'm going to get into your life by getting into how you think. That's how I'm going to get into your life. Like, I'm, just, I'm not just sending you off. I'm going to open your brain up, and I'm going to teach you. And it's funny, Paul talks about things here that we're about to read about that are physiologically truthful about our brains and how we think and he's teaching them just because it's been revealed to God that this is how this is what darkened thinking looks like this is what new thinking looks like how we think is how we behave 
All right. I, I, I really this is I'm, I'm stressing this because as I'm preparing this, I'm going, do I really believe that? Like for me, am I buying that? And this is what Paul is selling right here. How we think is how we will behave. OK, so let's pick it up in verse 17. Paul writes, he says in chapter four, Ephesians four, verse 17 I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. I want you to just pay attention to that. Living as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. All right, the living and thinking theme. All right, he's already building it here. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires to be made new in the attitudes of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in the true righteousness and true righteousness and holiness. And so Paul paints this picture and he says, I insist that this happens. I insist that you no longer live the way the Gentiles do, the way they lived before. And that implies that there were who knows how many people in the church, but Gentiles had become disciples and they were still living the way they lived before. Does that stun you a little bit? How would you feel about that church? You thought, wow, people are being baptized and they're still living like they used to live. Come on, man, that cannot be. And Paul is agreeing. He's like, hold on, I insist on this. Now, Paul handled it differently. Paul didn't say, hey, change your behavior. I insist you change your behavior. Paul gave them a lecture on thinking, and he said, here's why the Gentiles live the way they do. And you can become a disciple, and you can be baptized and washed of your sin and still think the same way as you did before baptism. Have you thought about that? Have Have you ever thought that, man, if you mean when I was baptized, when I came out of the water, my thought process wasn't changed? A little bit it might have, but for the most part, what me and you have been thinking about when I was baptized into Christ at 23, I had logged in 20-something years of the way I thought and how I thought and how I did things and habits and, and, and all of these things that were happening. And Paul says, guys, uh, the Gentiles lived that way because of how they thought. Yeah. And there's this cycle... He, he tells us there's this cycle, and why I think this is so important is because 
I've felt it in my life as a disciple, and I think it happens far too often, where we have, you know, you become a disciple, or you've been a disciple for a while, and you get caught in these cycles where you're like, why can't I get past this? And people are frustrated with you, and you're frustrated with you, and you're like, why isn't this changing? And I keep doing the same thing over and over again because our thought process hasn't changed. We're still thinking the way the Gentiles think. Yeah. All right? And he's talking about this kind of this impulsiveness of the Gentiles, these impulsive there's a hunger that we have. There's a hunger inside of us. There's a hunger, and it, it's what drew us to Jesus. Amen. There's a hunger that we've all tried to fill our whole lives, and we try different things, all right? And Jesus himself taught one of the greatest parts of the whole Bible in John 6. He said, I'm the bread of life. Amen. Man, you come to me, you won't be hungry. There's one thing that will satisfy your hunger. That's it, and it's me. All right. And that is one of the most, that's such a profound truth. The Gentiles are like, no way, that's not true. No, no, no. We can be fulfilled in some other way. So let me ask you this. What are those things that are most common to man, most common to us that we would go, this right here is what I am tempted to go to because that's going to satisfy, fulfill Make everything better. What are those things? And you want to know what? There's probably six of them that we can all agree on, probably. What are they? Yeah, yeah. Money. It's, it's the idea of not just getting money, but it's also like that retail therapy of like, let me buy things. All right? And have you ever done that where you're like, man, there isn't Amazon... Amazon is so wonderful because it's like getting a little present in the mail. You know, you buy it and you have two-day shipping. You're like, present for me right here. The cardboard box on your doorstep, make, you're like, whoa, I kind of feel better now because of that little gift, okay? Um, but there is the pursuit of money. Like, what will I do to get more money? What will I give up? And it's that impulsive thought to go after it or to spend. Have you ever done that where you've spent Spent and spent, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's, I don't have any more. Like, I'm, uh, that, that's way more debt now. That's way, how am I going to, like, you're, you just have been totally impulsive with your spending, okay? So money, how, how else? What are those other things? Uh, I guess knowledge and wanting to know all the answers all the time. I want to know everything. <laughs> but really, like, go, I'm going to ask you to go a little further. Why, though? Like, knowledge, but why? What comes with that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's more, though. There's control, right? There's an idea of, I want to know everything so I don't have to trust anything. But there's also, isn't there something about having all the answers? It's like, man, you must be spiritual. You know all the answers, right? And so there's the, there's the pride if I can get people to think I'm awesome, <laughs> my life will be better. I think it's a lack of trust. Yeah. Um, because we don't trust that what people are telling us is true. Mm -hmm. So we want to find out everything that we can know just mm -hmm. to make sure we're doing the right thing. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to we, we justify it by going back to Acts um, 17, trying to be like the Bereans. 
and we think, oh, I'm being a Berean. I'm just searching it out and making sure that I'm following what God tells me to do. <laughs> but in actuality, um, it, it's really a tough thing. I think, it, like you said, it's about that faith thing where yeah. we, we really believe that that no one can know better than we do. Mm-hmm. Or we're thinking that no one can know better than we do with God. Yeah. We're, and that's really the thing. In its core, it's pride. And its core is, I've got to be the best and know the most and be superior and know, you know, and all of those things. And so there is that idea that, you know, if I can build myself up enough, I can build me up enough. You know what we pretty much know is true? That road, you know where that road leads every single time? Depression. Every time. That's the end of that road. Okay, and I'm not saying that, oh yeah, that's the, I'm not diagnosing all of that, but I am saying that that's the, as depression, it's amazing. As depression goes, the more self-centered we get. It's the depression is rising and anxiety is rising because it's this idea of if I could just make me and if people could tell me how great I am, life will be good. All right. And that's futile thinking. Okay, so it's pride. What else would be that type of impulsive thinking that we would go this right here will fulfill me? Right. It's this idea. If you want to know what I can listen, I mean, it's it's OK to have a beer and a glass of wine and all that kind of stuff. But it's the idea of I'm going to take myself to a place. I need peace. I need relaxation. I need and I'm going to and alcohol is the answer to that. Right. Alcohol is the answer and it isn't the answer. But it's this, the Gentile thinking, what we're going to learn is, it's like putting a Band-Aid over just like an arterial, like flowing blood. Just like, man, you've got a, a, just a gashed open artery, and it's like, no, 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 let's put a Band-Aid over it, and you'll be fine. No, 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 no. That's the futility of the Gentile thing. So we have alcohol or, or over-the-counter medication or prescription medication or any of these things that we use to kind of even numb us up, Right. What else is there? Okay, there's, there's, there is that relationship, and, and, and really the root is sex. It's that idea of, you want to know what, that's, if I could get somebody to like me, if I could get somebody to tell me I'm worthy, if I could get, man, and then it doesn't matter how they express that, if it's sexually or whatever, Man, that's what's going to do it. That's what's going to change my life. That's going to make everything better. Right. And that goes even into pornography. Right. Is that idea of no, this is what will make me better. Like even if it's for a little bit and you realize that what he's saying right here, this picture that he's painting. He says that they've lost all sensitivity. All right. This and, and, and they pursue sensuality. All right. Pertaining to the senses. Right. Like there's an insensitivity to God and what he's done and, and the ability to see and hear and experience and be grateful for and thankful for and amazed by and it wondrous uh, just thoughts of how awesome God is. Says the heart has become insensitive to that, except we were built with senses. And once the numbing happens and once the hardening happens, 
then it's like, we've got to find something that's going to make me feel. Like, this is lonely, and this is, and I need something. And he says they continue to go after it with a lust for more because it's not helping. And so it's that idea of, man, it didn't help. There's this cycle, and you can plug in any one of those things. You can plug in food and gluttony and go, this is what's going to, I mean, that was one that snuck up on me. I went through like this phase where I didn't even realize I was essentially medicating myself with Taco Bell. I'm not kidding you, okay? I noticed every time there was incredible stressful situations, I was eating immense amounts of Taco Bell and hiding it. All right? Like I was not telling it. Like it wasn't, it was like I knew like this was food, sex, money, all of these things. Paul is saying, here's, the, here's what happens. It's futile. Yeah. They've stopped understanding God. They've lost sensitivity. And now it's like all we want is something. We don't care what it is. And this thinking can be as a disciple. Yeah. That's what he's talking about right here. This isn't like, oh, I have a neighbor. I need to talk to him about this. Right. This is like, no, this is us. And Paul's saying, no, I insist that this changes. I insist that the thought patterns change, but understand, understand what this thought process is. Absolutely. That's that's exactly right. And that, that even lumps in, you see, pride of this idea of making us something and successful and for people to look at us and go, man, that guy is awesome. That's where our worth is coming from, and he's saying that's why it's futile, right? Because that really is. That's one of those, one of those that are right up there. Amen. And he's saying that it's unquenchable. There's this continual. Have you ever felt that before? Like I want so badly to be filled and to feel worth worthy, and to feel like if they, if can somebody tell me I'm worthy? Can can something change? I'm. And, and Paul's saying, see, that's the cycle of thinking that has to stop. Like, it's got to change. He's saying, I insist this, and it's inquenchable. Have you ever had athlete's foot before? If you haven't, you should at some point experience that. That's, that's, a, that's a great illustration right here, okay? You have athlete's foot, and in your mind, to make it feel better, what do you think is the right thing to do? Scratch that baby. And that works every time, right? Oh, my goodness. That's how the Gentile, he's saying this is what that thought pattern is because you guys are going through this cycle where you're acting impulsively. You're not thinking. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my gosh, I feel guilty or foolish or, man, it didn't work or I'm regretting it. All right. And then it's and and then it comes down to pride where it's like, I don't want anyone to know this about me. I don't want anyone to know this about me. You know what ends up happening? We're back to being more empty and more alone. Yeah. And that's happening in the church. Right. Yeah. And it's that idea of it's no one else's fault but ours. Because there isn't anyone that can go in with a magnifying glass and see what you're hiding. But this is the cycle of, of Gentile thinking. And now I'm emptier and alone. And now what do we do? Let me go right back to that thing. Let me go right back to that. Let me go back to whatever that was, that, the, the sex, the relationships, the success, the, the pride of making me great. Let me go back to that. And many of us may right now be feeling like I'm in this cycle. Mm-hmm. 
Like I became a disciple, but I'm in this cycle. And we're going to talk a little bit, and he gets into, well, what do we do about that? But he says, hey, there's a new way. There's this new way of thinking. He says in verse 25 of Ephesians 4, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we're all members of one body. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down where you're still angry and don't give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs. and It may benefit those who listen. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And so he starts telling us there's a new way of thinking. Amen. There's the Gentile way, but there's a new way of thinking. And the first thing he says is stop lying to each other. That's just a kid thing, right? To stop lying to each other. Like, like understand in God's plan, the, the God of adoption of bringing dead things to life, of incomparable love, the God who saved us and sealed us with his Holy Spirit. Lying is not the way he builds. God doesn't lie. And he says, now we can't lie. And again, he's talking about impulsive things, right? Lying is a sin of passion, Meaning we do it instinctively. Like we don't think through it oftentimes. It's like you're presented with something and you don't think and you feel and you lie. And he said, no, no, remember that's what the Gentiles did. The new way of thinking requires some thought. The new way of thinking is like, listen, stop for a second, okay? And he goes on in the next verse, he says, one of our favorites right here, your married verse In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And what we say that means is what? Work out that fight. He has quotation marks right there. It's important as we read the Bible to read the punctuation. What's he quoting? Somebody said it. Psalm 4. Psalm 4 says, in your anger, don't sin. Go to bed and be silent. (laughs) That's what Paul was thinking when he wrote that. He wasn't thinking like, have a counseling session. He wasn't thinking, he was saying, no, no, no. No, Ben, in your anger, don't sin. Like, deal with you, bro. (laughs) Right? But we got to work this out. It'll get worked out when my heart is dealt with. And Paul is quoting 
Psalm 4 that says, yeah, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down. In fact, as the sun's going down, go to bed and be quiet. <laughs> and, and you want to know what else it says? Think about your heart. Psalm 4. Search your heart. All right? Isn't it interesting that Paul is going, listen, to change our thinking, we've got to slow down. We don't just react and respond and go after it and lie and get angry. He says, you're going to get angry, but go to bed and search your heart and be quiet for a little bit. Okay? Don't give the devil a foothold. I think in the world we live in today, the foothold is busyness. Just being busy. Just being overwhelmed. Just having too much. Just saying yes to too much. Just, it's, it's, you're, giving the Satan, you're giving Satan a foothold to go, I, now I can get in there. They've stopped thinking. They've stopped giving thought to who God is. They've stopped, they've stopped spending time meditating on his word. All right? Don't give Satan a foothold. If you've been stealing, I don't know if you've been stealing, but Paul says stop. And do something useful. He uses an interesting word here. This is a new thought process. This is the new way of thinking is, wow, God is about building. And what he's telling me is, is let me be a useful, mem- useful member of that building process. Amen. Let me come alongside. Let me, let me build as well. Let me do what he's asking me to do and be useful to him. All right? And he's saying this. He's saying, hey, listen, don't steal, but do something useful with your own hands. Verse 29, don't let any unwholesome talk. What that word unwholesome is, is useless talk. Be useful, not useless. Right? All of the the sins of passion and and, and all of the impulsive actions and all those things, he's like, those are useless. There isn't anything that comes from that that's good, except this cycle of continued sin and continued defeat and continued the feeling like if I just try harder, I can do this. And he's like, no, it's a different way of thinking. How can I be useful? Don't let useless talk come out of my mouth, but only what's helpful or useful for building others up. Have you ever tried to build other people up impulsively? <laughs> like on the fly. Like, you're just like, oh, crud, I remember that. Okay, now, right now, fellowship. Okay, I'm going to go build up Sean right now. Okay, uh, and then the first thing that comes, usually what I end up saying, if it's impulsive building, sounds like what? Huh? Flattery. Flattery, which the Bible is like, no, 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 no. No flattery. <laughs> Encourage, no flattery. All right. And it's that idea of going up. Hey, man, you know what? Okay, Have I told you you're like the greatest brother in the whole church? These other guys look around there. Gosh, I don't even know if they're saved. You're awesome. I'm glad you know. All right. Yeah. You know, it's a, a, a flattery. Oh, my goodness. I, you are the greatest. You know, and it's about, again, what we do is, is we fall into the Gentile thinking of I can make Landon feel better if I tell him how great he is. All right. The thought process. See, what he's telling us to do right here to be useful, to not let this unwholesome talk, but what builds up. You know what it requires? Thought. It's, it's like Paul is saying, I'm going to tell you to do something that you can't do unless you go and think and pray about it. Right? right? Unless you are like thinking of people and praying 
and praying that your heart is right and praying that the courage is about who God is, right, is he's telling us this is the new way of thinking. That it, guys, slow down in your thinking. Right? That, that's what he's telling us. Be useful, not useless. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Remember in chapter 1, he said, I put my Holy Spirit right inside of you to seal you and redeem you. That Holy Spirit, you know what's amazing in John 16? It says the Holy Spirit doesn't just say things just on his own. The Holy Spirit only says what he hears, Amen. which is God's voice. Amen. The Holy Spirit, have you thought about that? I mean, this takes some thought, okay? Not just intellectual understanding, but like a deep abiding understanding of this idea of God has put him in, you, in, in each of us when we're baptized that is telling us what God says. A constant right there. I mean, concordance. I'm talking about commentary. I'm talking about, I mean, you have the Holy Spirit that, that God, Jesus himself said he will not do his own thing. He will do what God wants. He will say what God wants. He will, he will be who God wants. All right, that's who's inside of us. Turn over to Romans 8 right here. It's, it's fascinating the more you read, particularly Paul's writings, the more you see how much Paul, the more you see how much Paul intertwines thought and action. What you think and what you do. What you think and what you do. It's amazing how much he brings that together. I think for us, oftentimes it's easy to go, let's just go do something. Yeah. He's saying, okay, hey, the Gentiles just go and do things. Be thoughtful. Romans 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. That, that could be the takeaway from this whole chapter of Ephesians 4. Is this idea, he finishes it up, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, guys. And Paul wrote in the 8th chapter of Romans, he said, he said, listen, set your mind, if you want to lead, be led by the Spirit and not grieve the Spirit, desire what the Spirit desires. Amen. Want that above everything else. Desire that more than anything. That's how, and he says, the mind of sinful man is death. Here's the good part. The mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Right. Amen. Isn't that what we want? Amen. All of the impulsive actions we do and all the thoughtless words we use and sins we live in, deep down, we're looking for life and peace. And he's saying there's the old way of thinking and then there's a new way of thinking. There's the old way of this impulsive and there's this new way of being thoughtful and thinking through this and understanding how God works, that he wants us to be spending our times being useful and not useless in what we say, thinking about and praying for one another. You think, wow, how do I get to this place? Because hopefully the, when we get to the end of Ephesians 4, we should be a little bit frustrated. It's okay. 
Because you know what he left out? The four practical points that you can go home and like memorize and do and just like, just could you just give it to me? But he has been. He has been from chapter one. Paul's been telling us from chapter one, like, okay, how do I change? The frustration comes with, how do I change how I think, though? How do I do this? Like, I see that they're different, but how do I do it? And Paul wrote another letter to the Colossian church. In chapter three, he said, set your minds where? Things above. above. Set your hearts where? On things above. Again, Paul is going, listen, guys, there's no way around this for any of us. It's we either set our minds on things above, our hearts on things above, and take the time to do that every day. It takes more time than we want to give sometimes. I think the hardest thing I do as a disciple is pray. Like it's, it should be the easiest thing in the world. You're not doing anything. I mean, it's not like God is going, hey, go run a marathon. That's how you get close to me. He's going, no, no, listen, talk to me. Ecclesiastes 5 says, listen, when you go to pray, do something else. Come near to listen too. Boy, nothing slows us down more than listening, right? <laughs> right? You ever had that before where you're like, man, I got 15 things I got to say, and I know you're talking, but I'm already thinking about what the answer is going to be, and I've already read this, God. I've already read Ephesians 4, and I'm already there, and, and, and we might have gone the whole time and never listened to a single word that God said, and, and, and we've got to stop and go, hold on a minute. Every day I've got to listen. That's meditation. That's, that's getting ourselves to a place where we can hear and obey the word of God, like ruminating, going over, playing with, talking about, thinking of living out the word of God on a continual basis and it's got to start in that quiet place right I meditate on your word day and night all right it's this it's this idea we can't we've got to be those people all right it can't be okay where there's two or three people in a church and they're like the mystics because they meditate I'm talking about all of us we've got to be that all right, because here's what ends up happening. Then it's like, oh, man, now I get what he's talking about. Now I get it because the spirit is changing my thinking. Now I get it when he says be kind and compassionate because it's not about me doing that. It's about Jesus having done it for me already. Like, like it's gone from my head to my heart. Amen. All right. And that's the aha moment. OK, that, that's the thing. That's where where we've, we've got to live in this way of prayer, of meditation. We've got to live in this place long enough that you have this aha moment. And it isn't based on knowledge. It's based on, man, I have just heard the word of God in my heart. I have just, I, I can obey that. I understand that now. And I don't know how I understood it. I don't know. None of these things make sense. He says, hey, here's what you need to do. All right. I'm, I'm not even in the right chapter, but he says, hey, here's what you've got to do is get rid of all slander, brawling, malice. Get rid of all of those things. And as Paul would say is, is how we think is what we'll do. Yeah. We can be filled with the world. And man, that's the challenge today, because you know what? You, you look at Facebook long enough each day and that's what you're going to think about. 
everything on Facebook from the cats and the puppies and Chewbacca and all of that to all of the sad stuff and happy stuff. And there's all these things. And, you, and we get kind of this, even Facebook can be this impulsive kind of like thing we're going to get filled up on instead of slowing down and going, hold on a minute, let me get anchored in the word of God. Amen. Yeah. Meditate. I guarantee you, if you're doing that, you won't be able to not talk about it. Yeah. That's the truth. Amen. It will happen, all right? Um, so anyway, this is going to require us to leave here and do something. All right, this is not, this message, this lesson doesn't fix anything. But we've got to make that commitment now Amen. that I will not leave here and just go and do things the way I've always done them. All right, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And if I need to get help, I'm going to bring people in and I'm going to get help. You know, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, you have a couple of different ways to deal with this. One of the things we neglect because it's kind of scary is, is sometimes we've got to get some junk out of what's inside of us. Yeah. You know, you, you don't scratch athlete's foot to get it better. You get it out of the dark. You put the athlete, you got to the beach and you sit in the sun and you let the sun shine on that athlete's foot and it kills the athlete's foot. All right. That's going to be something we may have to do as well. We fill ourselves up with the word of God, but we've got to get the junk out too. Yeah. All right. And that's, that's James 5. That's John 3, 17, 18, 19, right in there. All right. Is that idea of what's going to come in and what needs to get out. Amen. Okay. And that's how our thinking will be changed from the old way, which is horrific and frustrating and it puts us in an empty spot where we're scared to be in church. We're scared of our brothers and sisters because we're afraid they're going to figure us out. To the new thinking that's about life and peace. So let's take a few minutes. I want to give us some time. Just pray on your own for a little bit. Spend this time to pray on your own. I'll go ahead and close this out. But really take this time that God will speak to you and help us know where to go from here. So let's pray.